0: Our pastors here have been uh, uh, start a series last uh, week on the struggle is real. Just saw the video, and I have the honor today of speaking the second on that topic, uh, entitled "The Destroyer." And uh, we have here a scripture from Second uh, Cor- uh, Corinthians chapter two, verse eleven. Paul is speaking here in context about the topic of needing to forgive. Uh, And it closes the point of why we need to forgive. One reason is verse 11 here, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. One translation I think you're looking at says schemes. We are not ignorant of his devices. Let's pray. Father God, we just received the word today, Lord God, uh, not in our heads, Father, but in our hearts, that Lord God, it would stir faith in us, Lord, uh, to uh, exercise and live in the victory that we have already in Christ Jesus. So we thank you, Lord God, that this would be aware to us, Father, that this is not a losing battle we face in this life, Lord, but a winning one where Jesus has already won it for us. And we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Pastor Jim opened last week with that scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 2, verse 2, lest uh, we should not be taken advantage of and not ignorant of the devices of the evil one. Uh, I'm not, not here speaking today on the topic of forgiveness, although that's really good advice from Paul uh, that we should be doing this, be a forgiving people. Uh, but Paul is telling us here uh, that um, if we don't follow biblical spiritual guidelines, advantage can be taken over us by the evil one, and that should not be here on the topic of forgiveness. But in all in general, we don't want to be taken advantage of by the wicked one. He also points out to us that we shouldn't be ignorant. That is without knowledge of uh, these devices, which are tools uh, that the wicked one uses as another translation that said schemes. So uh, if you have a fill-in-the-blank sheet there, if you want to fill that in, your first fill-in-the-blank is very simple. We should not be ignorant, uninformed of the evil one's devices. You got to get that. It's real important because a lot of Christians are ignorant and uninformed. They don't want to know. They don't care. And that's just a major mistake. We should not be ignorant and uninformed as believers. So this is a series of sermons, if you would, so that we would not be ignorant of who the evil one is, but yet become informed. Uh, Which leads to our uh, second fill in the blank there that you have, is that Satan had planned devices and schemes against the body of Christ. To be ignorant of this is a disadvantage to us. He has plans and schemes so that you are not fruitful in the kingdom of God. He has plans and schemes that you fail. He has plans and schemes that you don't touch and do damage to the dominion of darkness. Now, any good military strategic instructor will teach their troops, their armies, not to be ignorant of their enemy's plans, lest they fall victim to them. Long before soldiers ever enter battle, they have training, and part of that training is knowing your enemy. That was a real big deal in World War II that they used to have a a little... uh, Uh, They're not commercials, little film reels before they showed movies uh, in the movie theater. And they had, We are not ignorant of the enemy, or Be not ignorant of your enemy. Exactly. We need to be informed. Uh, So we we need to realize uh, the evil one is a destroyer. And that's today's topic. The evil one is a destroyer. This is the reason why the struggle is real. Uh, There are so many attacks against people this side of heaven. He has no plans for your good. He hates you because he hates God. He can't touch God, but he can get you while your physical body is still in this world. I mean, if you, if you can't harm someone, how can you harm them the worst? By going after their children. That's the depravity here. That would hurt them the worst. Children of God. Yet, our good Father has told us instruction in the Word of God, that we ought not be ignorant. Uh, Jesus here tells us very bluntly in John chapter 10, verse 10, which is your memory verse, it's a good one to hold on to, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Yes. So besides being a a destroyer here, in allegory, Jesus calls the evil one a thief. Uh, a stealer, Um, Jesus clearly reveals to us that the evil one's desire is to rob us, to kill the physical body, to do nothing but destruction. And any time in the lives of people uh, that have been involved with sickness or disease or destruction, finances, loss, we've been robbed. And these are not from Father God, they are from the wicked one. Yet so many people blame God that it happens. Read your Bibles. You need a lot to learn here. As long as our physical bodies are in this natural realm, we are subject to attack. The Bible calls him the God of this world or the God of this world age. As long as we're physically here, he's the God of this world age. And we must realize this because the struggle's real and we live in a spiritual war zone. That beautiful body of Christ wears army boots. Really got to get this. That's us. Uh, So in war zones, have destruction. Of course, we're very aware of that today, especially what's going on in the the Ukraine. Um, In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Peter tells us, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Why would Peter tell us this? But to alert us that we would not be ignorant of the evil one's schemes and devices because the struggle is real peter is showing us here that we need to be sober in how we live that is not drunk with the pleasures of the world age that we live in not living in a cavalier way hey life's a bowl of cherries let's just have fun but really to be sober because other people's lives matter our lives matter and this is not a spiritual warfare of my intellect but a spiritual warfare that needs spiritual weapons that he's already given us no soldier in his right mind is going to go into battle and put his weapon down before he goes in. That's called suicide. He's going to carry his weapon in to battle. Likewise, we've been given weapons for the spiritual warfare that we have and we are to use them. And your intellect is not one of them. It's the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, and the word of God. And that would would tell me, I think I better learn about the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, and the word of God. What good is your weapon if you don't know how to use it? Right? One of the first things they tell soldiers this is your weapon. You realize they fine you if you call it a gun? You get a fine? It's called a weapon. I don't know if they still do that, but back in the 60s, if you called that a gun, you got a $100 fine. And you don't get that much money, so you don't want to do that too often. It's a weapon. And so we have weapons of our warfare, and soldiers are taught how to use that weapon. I I don't know if they still do this, but years ago they had to blindfold themselves, take it apart, and put it back together blindfolded. I don't know if they still do that. But why? You have to know your weapon. We have to know our weapons. It's the same analogy in the spirit realm. And uh, too many Christians do not know their weapons. Uh, So I don't want to spend a lot of time today on how hard life is this side of heaven, I don't want to do that. I realize we don't make light of struggle. We don't make light of this topic of destruction that's been in the human race in the past, still is today in the day we're living in. But yet for the believer, we should not live in fear. And that's really important today when looking at a topic like this. We should not be living in fear. This is not a, a very morbid topic. It's a topic of that there's a victory in Christ. We need to take seriously this side of heaven. We are in a spiritual warfare zone where there is destruction. But even more, the important truth that Jesus has already knocked the snot out of the devil. I choose my words carefully. He's already knocked the snot out of the devil. And I wanna focus on that. Uh, I remember years and years ago, there's one lady, she had recently come to Christ, and she had asked the pastor, well, I don't know much about the devil. He said, oh, that's easy. He's defeated. I said, what a great answer. <laughs> that is the correct answer. Oh, he's defeated. That's a, the correct answer. Jesus has defeated him for me, because I could not have defeated him by myself. So you're filling the blank here in number three. We need to remember, the enemy has already been defeated. The cross by jesus's empty and by jesus's empty grave the enemy has already been defeated at the cross and by jesus's empty grave jesus already has made victory over the evil one that should be cemented in us so concerning jesus's victory over the evil one there's some very important scriptures we need to remember that i want to point out today uh, a lot can be said on this topic. It's called from the cross to the throne, that period of time when Jesus died on the cross, descended into Hades, crushed the devil. Yes, knocked the snot out of him and led the Old Testament believers in a parade into heaven and then rose from the dead triumphantly. That topic is, a, is an important topic called from the cross to the throne. And um, want we'll to look at that briefly today. One of these very important scriptures that you need to always remember, and I'll get to later why these are so important to remember, is Colossians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. And this is out of the Amplified Bible, and it says, Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting in demands which which were enforced against us, and which were hostile to us and the certificate he has set aside completely removed by nailing it to the cross when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities. Now those aren't Pharisees and Romans. Those are spiritual hierarchy of demons in the the heavenly realm. Uh, When he had disarmed rulers and authorities, those spiritual, I'm sorry, those supernatural forces of evil operating against us, he made a public example of them, uh, exhibiting them as captives in his triumphal procession, having triumphed over them through the cross. Now, here in verse 14 due to the nature of our spiritual death that mankind had we were helpless to help ourselves and overcome that it was a judgment against us uh, like a court decree that spiritual death reigned over humanity keeping us in a spiritual prison you have no hope so in verse 15 here at the cross and in hades jesus disarmed those wicked forces, and made a parade of those uh, Old Testament saints past them and uh, into heaven. And at the cross, it was used as a weapon to disarm and hit victory for Christ. But there's more. That weapon Satan had against us was death. And Jesus took the weapon of death and used it against Satan, leaving him powerless. That is a beating the snot out of him event. Now, another one of these important scriptures you don't want to miss is in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that... Through death, he might render powerless him who had the power of death—that is, the devil—and he might free those through who, through fear of death, were subject to slavery all their lives. See, the enemy wants you to fear death. He—that is—that is the great fear of mankind. There was a poet once, Henry Thoreau and he said uh, i think he said the mass of humanity lives in quiet desperation that means the people fear their death that's what he meant (laughs) he was being poetic that's what it meant and uh yeah people that is the one thing in life they won't talk about the thing they fear the most they fear the grave because they don't know christ and they have no hope and therefore the fear of never being again is a a, a fear and and a torment to them every day. Uh, For the believer, there is no more fear of death for us. Leaving the body, the believer is shedding off the earth clothes and entering into glory, right? You can't live on on the moon suit, that's the law. You can't live on the earth without an earth suit, that's the law. But we shed the earth suit and our eternity is with him. And yet we have the promise one day of a new body. The body that tends to be very important, that would be glorified. And if I remember my scriptures right, Jesus walks through walls. Pretty cool. Like that glorified body stuff. Uh, one Bible teacher in the early 20th century uh, said, when death killed Jesus, it killed itself. I like that. So out of um, the Amplified Bible, let's look again at at two more translations at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 in the second part of the verse. So that through experiencing death, he might make powerless, ineffective, impotent, him who had the power of death, that is the evil one. But looking at this in the Rotherham translation, yes, there is a Rotherham Bible. Rotherham got this really good. He says, in order that through death he might paralyze him that held the dominion of death, that is the adversary. The evil one today has been left eternally paralyzed. Eternally paralyzed. That's a fascinating thought. Uh, in, on a couple Wednesdays this month, I'll be talking a little bit about demonology. The origins of Satan and uh, demonic oppression. But there, uh, one of the scriptures I want to share was from Isaiah 14, a very interesting set of prophetic scriptures, but there's one scripture in Isaiah 14 that's amazing. It's kind of difficult to understand because it's as if redeemed humanity is speaking prophetically. It's almost as if they're looking at the bottomless pit or the lake of fire and they're looking at Satan being thrown in. This is a very strange scripture. And it says in verse 16 and 17, everyone there will stare at you and ask, can this be the one who shook the earth and made the kingdoms of the world tremble? Is this the one who destroyed the world and made it into a wasteland? Is this the king who demolished the world's greatest cities and had no mercy on its prisoners? In other words, humanity is going, this one, he ain't nothing to look at. This one, because of Jesus, the evil one has become nothing impressive to look upon. That's why I said the snot scripture. So what does the devil look like today in a a way that we can understand it? Spiritually, this being is a crippled, paralyzed mush that had the snot beaten out of him by Jesus, and he's going to remain that way for eternity. He doesn't want you to know that. He wants you to think he's really horrible and has big teeth and will bite you. I love the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, uh, but we speak uh, God's wisdom in a mystery. Mystery wisdom, which uh, God presented, uh, predestined before the ages to our glory. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age, again, these aren't Pharisees and Romans; these are the demonic strongholds. That none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they understood it, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. By doing that, they destroyed themselves. Amazing. So the, today, the devil may look like a roaring lion. But Jesus took his teeth out. Right now, he just has a lot of noise and a lot of bad breath. But the important point here is he's a bully. He's a bully, and he tries to bully people to be in fear of him. That's the key there. Bullies want you to fear them. When you fear them, you give them power. And a lot of people today, the enemy has power over, power over in addictions, power over in sin, power over in so many things because they don't see him for what he is truly defeated. And Jesus has given them already the victory. There was a pastor once who wrote a book, the prison door is open. What are you doing inside? Prison door is open. Get out of it. You don't belong in there. Jesus has set you free. And uh, so these are, so those, those two scriptures, Colossians and Hebrews, very important scriptures for prayer warriors. They are are the most important in the New Testament. Why? We are enforcing uh, the Word of God. We're enforcing Jesus' victory over the dominion of darkness. He doesn't have a kingdom. He has a dominion, the Bible calls it. And that's the one we war against. That's where our struggle is against, the dominion of darkness. I can't do that of my own self. My intellect cannot do that. But Jesus' victory of the cross certainly can. And I've been given the ability, and you have as well, to enforce it. And when you pray against strongholds, those scriptures in Colossians and uh, Hebrews should be on your lips because they enforce the victory of the cross against the wicked one. You have to realize our voice here on earth really matters. It's the spiritual authority Jesus has given us. The name of Jesus, we use the Word of God as weapons against the wicked one and his demons. That's not going to make any sense to your intellect, but your intellect cannot fight spiritual battles. It's impossible has to be fought with spiritual weapons. And the good news is these are weapons that don't exhaust themselves. They are weapons that are totally sharp and ready to go because the, the sacrifice of Christ is always a fresh and new sacrifice for us. So it's very important that we realize that. Fill in the blank number four. What does the devil, uh, what does the evil one actually have to war against the believer? He only has lies and deception. What does he have? He only has lies and deception. He wants you to fear him with the lies and deception he brings. Pastor Jim mentioned that last week. Thank you for taking part of my sermon again. It's okay. Hey, if God repeats things twice, you better listen. Uh, Really, I'm serious. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3 tells us the enemy is a deceiver. And the Bible has a lot to say about deception. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. We see the whole world is under his sway. For we know that we are of God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And it hasn't changed since the first century. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So the struggle, this side of heaven is real. We don't make light of that. It is a war zone, but we should not be a people that live in fear. We should be a people that walk in faith. We have the winning battle. It isn't like, I don't know if this is going to work. It will work. We have the winning battle. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. We should be in faith. We should have joy in our hearts. We should have a smile on our face because Jesus has given us the victory. Always hate to see when Christians have pusses on their faces. Get that puss off your face. Put a smile there. I don't care if it's a dopey smile. Most of them have dopey smiles anyway. It doesn't matter. Jesus has given you the victory. Smile. Death no longer has dominion over us. Smile. Smile, 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 smile. Put the puss back in its box and leave it there. Have the smile. Our fifth fill in the blank here. The most important thing we want to remember as believers is not to let the evil one destroy the knowledge of God, your knowledge and practice of the Word of God. He wants to destroy your knowledge of the Word of God and your practice of it. He doesn't want the Word on your lips ever. He wants you to speak fear on your lips. He wants you to speak the circumstances of life. Oh, it's gonna get worse. Oh my gosh, this has happened all over again. He wants you to speak all the things that are out there that your mind wants to entertain, but don't you dare speak the Word of God that says the opposite. Don't come against him with the name of Jesus. Don't say no in Jesus' name. He does not want that. That's what he's after. That's the story here behind this struggle that Pastor Jim also mentioned last week. If we reject the word of God, we will be either corrupted or destroyed and become powerless. This side of heaven. I don't wanna be corrupted and destroyed and I don't wanna be powerless. Two important scriptures there. We could spend a whole sermon just on those two. One is Hosea chapter four, verse six. In the first part of the verse, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge since you have rejected knowledge. Wow, that's a biggie. Then there's another one similar, but it's a little different. And that's Isaiah chapter 5, verse 13 in the first part of the verse. Therefore, my people go into exile for their lack of knowledge. So we have here in Hosea, people perish for rejecting knowledge. When you have something coming at you and you have a choice to believe the Word of God or something else the society is telling you, you're rejecting the Word of God, that's dangerous. That can perish you. But yet here in uh, this side of heaven, yet here in Isaiah, people go into bondage for what they don't know. What you don't know can kill you. You need to know what the Scriptures say. There needs to be an understanding of it, of what the Scriptures say. So what about, you know, you and me today? Uh, that we would not be destroyed for lack of knowledge of the Word of God, and that we would not go into captivity for a rejection of the Word of God. And you know, so that's why the Lord's church needs sermons like this or a series like this. Why would you do—why well, didn't I talk about that down before? That we need to be informed. We need to be uh, not a, uh, uh, uninformed of his schemes and his devices and the warfare we fight and how to have a winning victory. But when you do it the Bible way, not your head way, not the society's way, God forbid, not the denomination's way. Uh, do it the way the Word of God has taught us. A lot of people won't do it. I mean, they'll nod their heads here and go, oh, yeah, praise the Lord. But they won't live that way in the days ahead. You can't do that. You've got to take this real, real serious. I remember one sister in the Lord broke my heart. I know she wasn't dumb in the Scripture. She knew the Word of God well. Uh, She had a very serious uh, health condition, a cancer condition, and um, she knew the word well, but it appears her entire faith was in the doctors. And the day the doctor said to her, there's nothing we could do, there's nothing more, she was absolutely crushed. I remember tears in her eyes. The doctors have given up on me. But uh, what about the word of God? Uh, She knew it in her head, but it wasn't here. That's the problem with many of us. We have it here, but we don't have it here. She died. And it was heartbreaking to see her die because I know she knew better. Um, What's going to come out of your mouth? There is no plan B here. You've got to get this. Either I have the Word of God in my lips or I don't. Or I go into destruction or I go into captivity. And believe me, a lot of Christians live in captivity. Ought not be. Ought not be. That's why the church needs to teach on topics like this, why this is so serious. So when it comes down to it, just to simplify this topic today as we go to communion, it's not all about the evil one and what he's doing to destroy. It's all about Jesus' victory, because his victory is our victory over the dominion of darkness. So let's go to communion with that thought in mind as you're getting ready there. At the beginning, I mentioned, oops, wait a minute, that's not working. At the beginning, oh, I crushed the wafer, gosh. At the beginning, uh, I mentioned John 10.10. Let's look at it again out of the Amplified Bible. Jesus is speaking. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. I want overflow. I don't see enough overflow. I want it to the full. I want overflow. He wants you to enjoy it. No, that's not a selfish statement. That's not a self-centered, bratty statement. This was his idea that we would have life to the fullest, not to the worst, not to the oppression, not to the destruction, but to the fullest. That we would enjoy life physically, spiritually, emotionally, that we would enjoy life my gosh if you are parents out there grandparents wouldn't you want that for your children otherwise you'd be animals Wouldn't you want that for your children what makes us think father god a better father than i could ever be would want less he all the more wants me to enjoy life and enjoy it to the fullest jesus went to the cross that i would and we need to realize that, yes, the struggle this side of heaven is real, and the destroyer comes to steal this side of heaven, but because of Jesus, we, as we receive communion today, but because of Jesus, we here are remembering his death, proclaiming his death and his resurrection, that his victory now becomes our victory. So as you're receiving now, remember that. He desires for us to have life and have it abundantly till it overflows never settle for anything less than that let's just partake thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Lord thank you Lord (coughs) please say after me real loud you ready Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Your, victory is my victory. your victory is my victory. Oh, I like that. Let's do that again. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Your, victory is my victory. your victory is my victory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Parts of your body don't cooperate. You look at it and go, Thank you, Jesus. Your victory is my victory. Tell your body to get in line, order it. You have a voice, amen. Don't tolerate stuff. Oh, well, everybody goes through this. No, they don't. I've been redeemed. Speak to your wallets. Abundance, come forth in the name of Jesus. I'm serious. My gosh, why do we tolerate less? Well, it's always looked like a little less every week. Stop that nonsense. Gas prices are going up. I got a bigger God. Glory to God. I'm really serious. It's a matter of perspective. I don't see the glass half full. I see it uh, half empty. I see it half full, thank you. Ah! I'm Diane quickly corrected me with her face. Oh. It's half full, glory to God. So we thank you, Lord God, for today. Father God bless this congregation, those listening on the internet, Father, and by um, recording that Father God, uh, we would go forth in the victory of Christ abundantly. We settle for nothing less, Father, than the abundant life. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.